Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm excited to tell you about Pet Relief. They make all-natural USDA-certified organic CBD products for pets using full-spectrum CBD hemp oil that is grown and extracted in Colorado. With a wide variety of products, they have something to assist a range of ailments such as hip and joint pain, inflammation, situational anxiety, and more. I give this to my pup, and she loves it. So head to PetRelief, R-E-L-E-A-F.com, and enter the promo code WORDS to get 10% off your order. PetRelief.com. Check it out. Great product. Now, here's the show. What is happening, everybody? How are you doing today? I'm awesome. I'm Ray Harkins. We're talking independent music on 100 Words or Less, the podcast. My voice is a little shot. I apologize. I played a show over the weekend, and you know, that's just what happens when you you go a little bit too hard. But I'm going to tell you about what is happening on the show today, and that is David Kelling. He is our guest, and he's the vocalist, songwriter, just a, an all-around positive dude in the band Culture Abuse. I was very excited to have this discussion. I talked to him on the eve of their uh, headlining tour that they are on currently, and from what I understand, it's doing very well, and the band is uh, not only enjoying their time on the road, but uh, you know, doing doing really well, Sell, selling some shows out here and there. It's uh, really, really cool to see that happening. So David and I get uh, get really in deep with a bunch of stuff that we are uh, that we're discussing. Like, you know, he has cerebral palsy, and we talk a lot about that. We also talk a lot about positivity and just so much other stuff about the band and him. It's very, very, very good. I really enjoyed it um, just because I, don't, I, I could tell that he was... Uh, kind of excited to get some of these things off his uh, chest. And um, he also did it in a car locked in a, well, not locked. He was just hanging out in a car, sweating up a storm <laughs> because I want the sound quality to be okay, you know? And we did it over uh, over the phone, over Skype, and, you know, that's uh, that's what happens. But anyways, I also want to tell you about rockabilia.com. You've heard me talk about them before, but you still haven't ordered a shirt from them? What the hell is wrong with you? Use the code PCJabberJaw and that gets you 10% off your entire order. Great customer service. They have over half a million items. That is so many shirts, long sleeves, sweaters, beanies, hats, posters, whatever it is you want from your favorite band, you will absolutely find. And you will find a legit thing, not some horrific bootleg that you would be able to find on, you know, Amazon or eBay. Like, you know, we've all fallen victim to that before. But Rockabilia pays the bands, pays the artists. And then also passes on the customer service, quick shipping on to you. It's just a great, great website. So thank you, Rockabilia, for your continued support. And again, PC Jabberjaw gets you 10% off of your order. And like I said, I played a show this weekend, and I'm still somewhat recovering from it. But I, I was able to bounce back relatively uh, quickly to where, you know, the next day I was, uh, you know, like 
went to church, went to, uh, you know, do my, uh, do my dad, dad life stuff and, you know, was able to, uh, exist. Okay. Wasn't like one of those, uh, you know, people that needs like a, a week to recover from a trip or something, you know, I'm, I can bounce back pretty well. Cause you know, I mean, I'm not getting drunk <laughs> the night of the show or whatever, but, uh, all joking aside, the show was incredible. Curl up and die did, uh, you know, they reunited and they played chain reaction. We were fortunate enough. Taken was fortunate enough to play the show. And it's really like I've been doing this for a long time and I don't say that because it's like, oh, look at me. I'm cool. But I'm just saying I've been doing this for a long time. I've been playing in bands for a long time. I've been experiencing this independent music culture and to have it reflected back on me in so many different ways of like, oh, wow, there are people who have been going to shows for as long as I have and have watched this band curl up and die have watched my band play in so many different iterations, so many different times. And it was so it was just filled with love, positivity, just so much great stuff. And um, I don't know, it just makes me really, really thankful to have been exposed to this because I think that it, it should not be taken for granted that we are um, you know, attracted to this weird subculture. And I don't take it for granted. I do this podcast on a weekly basis and it reminds me, even amidst all of the other crazy stuff that happens on a day-to-day basis, you know, in my life, pulling me away from, you know, maybe music and, you know, thinking about uh, really, really random, obscure hardcore bands. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a, it's a very, very good reminder to be rooted to this thing that I find so much value in and I love it. But anyways, this, uh, the, I, I'm just, I'm just thankful for it. And I'm thankful for you, the listener, cause I met some of you on at the show because you came up to me and were like, Hey Ray, I love the podcast. I love this episode. I can't wait for this episode. And it's just, it's man, that warms my heart. It warms my soul. And you should never feel weird to tell me that. <laughs> like some people are like, Oh man, I don't want to like punish you or I don't want to like, it's like, no, please tell me. I love to have these conversations. You find value in it. So in turn, I find value out of it because like I'm doing this, you know, alone in my office and I don't hear from anybody like, you know, of course I hear from people that contact me at shows or email and stuff like that. But, you know, some it, podcasting can be kind of an isolating thing. So anyways, please talk to me if you see me out, out in the wild, so to speak, or see me at a show. Like, please just, just I would love to meet you. So anyways, David Kelling, vocalist for Culture Abuse, love the band, love their records uh, all the way from, you know, all the stuff they released on 6131 to their most recent one. On Epitaph, it's uh, just a really good band, and I love having this conversation. So here's what we got. Here's David, and I'll talk to you after the episode is over. I'm going to take you back to, it was probably... Gosh, I don't know. I want to say 2013 or something. Basically, uh, I think in Riverside, I saw All Teeth with Defeater. And it was in some random like garage. It was a place I've never been before. Um, yeah. I, I can't even remember the name of it. Do you? The no, venue? I mean, it was like one of those like, just like a warehouse. You right. know, or like, I don't know if there was like a name. <laughs> totally. The space or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, I saw, I saw you guys there and then, you know, of course, like you're, and anybody that, you know, follows like, you know, punk or hardcore, like if there is something, you know, interesting about a person, you kind of know about it going into it, whether it's like 
Um, you know, I, this, these are, well, not extreme examples, but like, oh yeah, West from American nightmare doesn't have a hand or like, you know, Jamie Josta is missing a thumb or whatever. Like, yeah. the, you know, these things yeah. before you see them. And so, you know, clearly your, uh, you know, illness preceded you where it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, the singer of this band, like, you know, cerebral palsy. And I was like, oh, like, you know, that's literally something I've never seen before. Um, this might be like a kind of really big question to start things off with, but like, I'm going to imagine that a lot of what you feel like when you are, you know, existing out in the world and more so within the context of, you know, playing in a band and what have you, is that you probably have to make people feel comfortable with like what they are witnessing. You know what I'm saying? Like where it's like, oh yeah, like this, I'm choosing to do this. Like this isn't, you know, me, uh, you know, I don't want you to feel sorry for me and all that sort of stuff. Um, Am I correct in any of that, or is that just me reading too much into it? Yeah, no, I mean, it's that's actually kind of crazy because it is like, it is, it is true, you know. And I, I've never, no one's really ever, like, acknowledged it like that, too, you know. Like, and I, I don't think of necessarily like, I mean, the only thing that comes into mind, like, we played this show, we played a show in like St. Louis, and. <clears throat> we were on tour with like turnstile and touche and it was all bands with like singers that just like jump into the crowd and they're like singing along and like doing that. So then I'm like trying to like keep up with it, you know? So I like, I like went to the, tried to go to like to the, there were these speakers in front of the stage and, and I like stepped out onto the speakers and tried to like, you know, give the microphone to people and then when I was like stepping back, there was a gap in between the stage and the speaker. And I like my foot just like went through the gap and I just like ate shit on the stage. And, uh, and you know, and like, like then it was just like so uncomfortable for me and not like, of course I'm embarrassed, but then I also like, it is, it is that thing. Like I wanted to like, our, our drummer at the time, like just kicked into the next song and I was just screaming at him like, stop, stop, you know, like stop. And then I just went on this big rant about how like, you know, like I'm not a puppet, <laughs> you know, like it's sure. like time to like kind of stop and be like, okay, everything's fine. I'm, you know, like this is embarrassing, but it's fine. I didn't want to like kill the vibe, you know, and think there's times where I have like fallen over and I kind of want to be like, no, it's just part of life for me, you know, like, and I don't want to like, like kill the, kill the excitement. And then also I noticed that like, you know, like there's some people that are a lot like, it'll be like walking somewhere down the street and I'll be like, all right, can you go, you know, like, is it okay? And I have to kind of be like, no, it's, it's fine. I'll tell you, you know, if it's like too much or, yeah, I mean, but that's a that's a crazy way to to I mean, that's the first time I think anyone else has ever acknowledged it to me in that sort of way, but yeah. I mean, and then but then I feel like for the most part I I don't know. I feel like I make insecure people more uncomfortable than most. Sure. Well, I mean, I I've definitely heard you express that sentiment and I think anybody that has any sort of like, you know, visible, um, you know, illness or, you know, a deformity or whatever, like there is that element of like, okay, I need to overcompensate to like, you know, I need to be exceptionally nice and acknowledge the fact that like, oh yes, like, you know, I have this thing, I know you see this thing. So like, 
here, let, let's put it out in the open and make everybody, you know, okay with it. Cause I think so many people like even, you know, even illnesses, yeah. even illnesses like you can't see whether a person's like, you know, been affected by with cancer or something like that. There's still that element of like, you have to speak about it first before other people really even acknowledge it. So I can understand yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, and when, I, when like my first band, when I was in high school, I, I would literally, you know, it's like hard to talk about it now, but at the time I didn't really care, but I, I would be like, Oh, it's like, people would be like crippled Dave. Like literally that was like, and I'd like, you know, meet someone at a show or something and then like hit him up about a show and be like, Oh, it's Dave. You know, it's like David, like crippled Dave, you know? And they're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, cause I don't know. I mean, and that was like years ago. So things are a little different and I'll still run into people from then and be like, dude, remember like you were crippled Dave. Like, and you're like, uh, yeah, totally. Or like I have been that way of like, you know, like one time someone knocked into me and I dislocated my knee and it was like, I was like screaming in, in pain, like at this party in front of everyone. And then instead I was just like, I was like, Oh, I, my football career is over, you know? And everyone like <laughs> laughed, like just shit to just kind of like feel like diffuse it. Um, uh-huh. yeah. But yeah. then, and then it's funny because like, it's funny because like people like some, like, just the people that you know that just annoy the fuck out of you and you don't know how to just be like, you just annoy the fuck out of me. Like they're the ones that are always like, dude, remember like when like you were like said that you were like cripple, you know? And you're like, Oh yeah, totally. That was just like, you know? Yeah. Know. Well, because those are, I mean, those are people you don't have uh, relationships with and those are people who are like, you know, it's the same way as like, <laughs> the moment that a band receives any sort of notoriety, uh, you know, those people are going to pretend that they're your best friends. You know, they're like, Oh dude, I've Mm -hmm. known that guy for like, you know, 75 years. And like, we used to, you know, drink forties in the porch or whatever. And you're like, dude, we did that once. And that was a long time ago. We're not friends. Yeah. Yeah, There's, there's a Courtney Barnett on her new album has a, has a line that's friends treat you like a stranger and strangers treat you like their best friends. And it's like, it's like pretty real. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, kind of, you know, shifting the focus to, you know, you specifically, um, you uh, were born and raised, was it basically outside of Yosemite, right? Or like where? Yeah. It's this place called Murphy's California. It's in like the Sierra Nevada mountains. Okay. That's like, that's weird. Like a mountain town. That's a weird life. Yeah. Like, like actually out a dirt road, like, like, my parents still live there and it's out a dirt road where the cable company won't give them cable and they're, they don't get internet there, you know? So it's like they, they rent movies from Redbox and like watch like Redbox movies, you know? And I'm like, there's this thing called Netflix. Like there's a thing called Hulu, you know? And they just don't know. And like, I mean, my dad is like a, like good old boy off the land, you know, like, so he, he doesn't really care. And, you know, uh, my mom, it's a simple life. It's a simple life. Yeah. 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 No, it's crazy. The, um, and I I guess kind of because of that, you probably didn't recognize how, I guess maybe, I mean, you probably recognize how small the city and town and community was, but like, did you, I'm sure as you grew older and you started to experience more of the world, did you reflect on that time being like, man, that's really weird being raised in a mountain town? 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. But one of the one of the guy, like one of the people that got me into punk rock and everything, it was like it was Ben Chisholm who plays in Chelsea Wolf, and he's like he's like older than me, but would like would like you know, made me, made me a cassette tape of like at the drive-in and like a mix, you know, or like made me a cassette tape of like mercy devils and like would talk to my parents and like make sure I was okay that I went to like different concerts with them and stuff. So I was like, it's kind of crazy that it was like a small town, but I was surrounded by like extremely talented people, you know? And then, I mean, Ben and Chelsea Wolf have been doing, doing amazing, you know, but there was a long time like where just, you know, like we all have those friends that are just like the best musicians that you've ever met, but then no one knows, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like <laughs> just kind of surrounded by that. So I think that the standard of, of like writing music was like really high, but even though it was like, it, there was like only like two bands, you know? Sure. Something and so like, there wasn't something you could measure against besides like, mm-hmm. wow, this person's really good. And then like, oh, this other band's okay, but not as good as the other one. But yeah. Yeah. And Ben's Ben would like, let me go, you know, when we were like little kids, just like go to their band practices and just watch them. And they just like, there's nothing to do. So you did just like play music, you know? And then, and like in high school we started the band and, and that's like all we did. And that, that kept us out of trouble. And, you know, and it's like, I don't know. There wasn't anything around really. I mean, there was like a movie theater with one screen, right. you know? So <laughs> I, it wasn't even like, you're like, Oh, let's fucking go to the arcade or the movies, you know? Or, it well, was just you, like, you, you let the, the town that the mentality is like, all right, what are you going to do on a Friday night? Well, we're obviously going to go to Dairy Queen. We'll hang out at Dairy Queen until like, you know, 10 at night because that's how they're, that's how late they're open to. Like there's just limited op- options. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even have a Dairy Queen. Right. I mean, right. like you had like, a gas station, I'm guessing. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and then we had like a practice space and then that just turned into like the, you know, like the hangout just spot. like, well, we're going to practice until like our parents tell us that you know, right. it's time to go home. Right, right, right. And do you, uh, do you have brothers or sisters or are you an only child? Uh, only child. Okay. But I was also raised in a, um, one bedroom, one bedroom, like log cabin, like where I just like slept on the couch, like my entire life. Sure. Until, until I was 19, I didn't have my own, my own bed or my own room. I didn't even have a bed, like a bed. Right. You had, right. You had a, a, a cushioned sofa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, so it's like only child, but we, I didn't have shit, you know, I mean, and my parents like gave me all that they could, you know, and what did the, what did uh, they do? Awesome. What did they do um, for, well, I mean, I guess kind of why were they there in that area and like what they do for work? Uh, my dad grew up there. Like I was the third generation to graduate from the same high school. Whoa. That's a lot. Um, yeah. And even my dad was like, yeah, when we graduated, like on the same football field, everything, he was just like, we cracked beers. Like <laughs> we like drank, drank beer. And he was like kicked out of high school. He had to like go to continuation school. Cause he was kicked out of high school for having long hair. And it was like past his ears, you know, it wasn't even like, sure. Wasn't even like, but that's how like, fucking redneck that it was um but no my mom was like a stay-at-home mom and my my dad 
is like a union carpenter. He, he now retired, but he, and he went to gunsmithing school. So he like worked on guns. Got it. it. Yeah. Worked worked with his hands, worked with his hands. (laughs) And, but like that, that's like where I grew up. Like you could just like drive out a road and then just like, just like, even when we took Barbara, like we just drove out, like I took my girlfriend out there once and we just drove out a road and just like shot guns and people would drive by you and you're just like, they're just wave to you even. And then you'd like hear like later down the road, then just like firing guns and shooting, like shooting like milk cartons and soda cans, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and so like, I mean, I've seen in other interviews and other places you've, you know, you've spoken clearly very high about your parents and, you know, even though you didn't have anything from a financial perspective, like clearly they supported and, and cared about you. Um, so, you know, did, uh, did that kind of, you know, environment, um, make you feel, uh, I, I mean, I guess in many respects, like made you feel safe and, and comfortable to kind of, you know, experiment with who you are as a person and obviously give you, um, the ability to get into this like weird style of music and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, even my dad is like, you know, I mean, he like, he rides Harleys. He's like, my parents have been together for like 40 something years and my mom's never seen my dad's upper lip once. Like he has like the craziest handlebar mustache and he's just, just a hard, hard ass dude. And, but he would be like, he'd be like, like, you know, Dave, like I hammer nails like all day long. Like you can't do that. Like you got to do some, you know, like you almost got to find, you know, like in a, and it wasn't like a negative way. It was like, positive but it was was like you you can't you know and I I like I can't do like a physically you know like I could never be a carpenter I could never do I couldn't even be like a waiter you know and carry people's orders or anything those weren't options right kind of like well I gotta do something and then and school always just went like through one ear and out the other you know and so I don't know It, it was it was weird because it's those things that you don't actually like look that like you don't realize until later on where you're like, Oh shit, that's, that's crazy. You know, like, right. I mean, we're playing in San Francisco in a couple of weeks and like, that's like all my mom's excited for, you know? And, and like we played San Diego and, and like I flew her down for that show the other day, you know? And that's, that's like, and then, and then you talk to like other people and are like, yeah, my mom's never seen me play a show, Yeah, you know, or like they've been to one show and you're just like, Oh shit. Like really didn't know how lucky I had it. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I mean with your, cause you, you were born with cerebral palsy, right? Am I right in that or no? Yeah. My umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. Okay. Six times. Uh, my mom went to the doctor and was like, was like, there's something wrong. Like he hasn't kicked in a day. Like there's something wrong. And the doctor like sent her home and was like, yeah, you're just tripping. Like you're a mom, you're tripping. But she went back in the next day and was like, no, there's something like wrong. And then the guy, like the doctor, like just like sent her to get some like scans. And then he left to go play golf. Like the the actual doctor in like the smallest fucking town ever. (laughs) So then they had to like, like meta flight me and emergency C-section and all this crazy shit. And like my dad said, they saw me like pull me out and I was just gray and they held up my arm and just like it dropped to the ground. Like they let it go and it just flopped. 
Oh. You know, he was just like, holy shit, he's dead. Like, right. all this crazy shit. The doctor ended up moving practices, like, after it all. And it was this crazy thing. Like, my whole life, like, my mom would be like, like, or people would be like, you know, you can, like, sue this doctor. Like, you know, yeah. like, this is fucking crazy. It's malpractice. And then, and then my parents would be like, would, like, honestly be the ones to be like, look, like you can sue and you can get money, but money doesn't change the fact of what happened, you know? Totally. So like, they kind of just like taught me to like accept and just like move forward. Right. You know? So then, and then once I was 21, this, like the limp, like the limitations or whatever is up, you know? So now there's times where I'm like, fuck, I should have sued that motherfucker and like been living here in Beverly Hills, you know? Yeah. But, but, but yeah, no, yeah, that wasn't your, that wasn't your parents' philosophy. But I I think it's the only reason I asked that is because, um, you know, clearly in, uh, you know, if you're being raised in a major metropolitan area and you have, you know, a medical condition that, um, is something that, you know, people like either have seen before or know what to do with. Um, you know, but you're living in a small community and, you know, everybody obviously knows everybody else's business. And then the support that you receive from your parents where it's just like, well, yeah, like, you know, David is different and this happened, but you know, well, we're we're still, we still love him. We still support him because like, it it was kind of a crazy, it's a crazy thing. And I was thinking about it recently because it's like, I don't, I never, never watched like YouTube videos of us or anything really, you know, and I'll like maybe watch some shit like on an Instagram post or something, but it's like, I never have to actually acknowledge like when I get up and like walk from point A to point B, it's not that I'm thinking about it. It's like people staring at me, make me remember, you know? And it's like, it is other people, but in my head, like I never really have to acknowledge it until like there are now it's like the more videos that pop up. I'm like, Holy fuck. That's what I walk like, you know, or like, right, that's right. what I look like, or that's what I move like. So that, that, you know, but otherwise like it, I, I don't know, like growing up, I never really like thought about it until like, it'd be like strangers staring or like you know, then you'd have like the kid that was really mad at you and he'd be like, fucking retard, cripple, you know, or something. He'd be like, oh, oh uh, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I am. Yeah, you know, like, right, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, but otherwise I'm not like thinking about it, you no. know? Right. Yeah. Unless you, have, unless you have people like me asking you those questions, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but at the same time, it's like until this band, no one actually. No, I mean, it's crazy to hear that you going to see like the old band knew about it going into it because no one ever spoke to me about it like at all, you know, until this band. And it was like we did like a noisy interview with my friend Lucas and he was like, yo, can I like just talk to you about this? And I was just like, yeah, no one has. I'm excited to talk to you today about Sirius XM. They bring you the deepest variety of commercial-free music for every genre and every single mood. So they have the biggest names in talk, entertainment, and comedy, and you get news from all over the place. But listen, this is the most important thing that you need to pay attention to. So right now, you can listen to it outside of your car. So you get your first three months of SiriusXM for just $1.00. 
Go to SiriusXM.com slash words to see offer details and to subscribe. So for $1, you can listen to SiriusXM on your phone, at home, and online. So anywhere you are, any time of day, you can hear your favorite songs or discover new ones. I am a huge SiriusXM proponent. And if you have not messed with this, if you've just been like, oh yeah, I've used it in rental cars and like, it's cool, but like it's nothing I would ever really do. Download the app right now and go to SiriusXM.com slash words and you can get three months for a dollar. There's literally nothing you can lose, okay? So Sirius, it's S-I-R-I-U-S-X-M.com slash words and you get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for one dollar. See the offer details and the offer is available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Love the service. Check it out. And so, like you mentioned, you know, you had like, you know, once you went to school and, you know, high school and started to develop your identity and everything, and you didn't really care about school and there wasn't something that you were focused on there. Um, I, I'm guessing by the, like high school, I'm guessing is where you first got your taste of kind of, you know, independent music and shows and all of that mentality, or was it like in junior high? Uh, I, I got into punk, I got into punk in, in like middle school. And going in, like, all my friends skate, all my friends, like, would skate, skateboard. And uh, and so I would, like, go to the skate shop, and I couldn't skateboard at all, you know? And I, I would, like, be the one holding the video camera or, or taking the photos. But then at the skate shop, the dude who ran it was, like, the one that would be, like, would be like, dude, get this CD, you know? And I got a, I got a Punkorama. It's like Punkorama 2 on CD before we ever even had a CD player. I was like, Oh, okay, totally. And then like, like the next year for Christmas, like the, our family got a, a like, like karaoke boom box with the CD player in it, you know? And, and that was like the first time that I'd really heard at the same time, like the first time that I'd really heard anything other than like, like, what my parents showed me or made me mixtapes of like the Beatles and Motown and shit. And it's like, I, that's, that's like, I was probably such a weird, weird little kid thinking back on it because like, yeah, until I got that like punkorama, I, I like literally only listened to like the Beatles and Motown and the the Rolling Stones and stuff. And that, that was like, you know, and, and that is like, you still listen to that now and it has so much of that like like the Rolling Stones and all that shit has so much like angst and feeling. It was like there are so many songs that I still felt like were mine, you know, or they were like speaking for me. And then heard punk and the first song that was like Coffee Mug by Descendants, you know, it was just like Yeah, you're like I feel this. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know, and then and then you start to like like in my mind before like what I thought rancid or the clash or like the sex pistols were, you know, like in my mind, I probably thought that that was like what the equivalent of black metal sounds like, you know, like, Oh, the sex pistols, like that must sound like what black metal is, you know, like, but then you hear and you're like, wait, like the clash, like this kind of just sounds like the shit that I listened to, you know, like, yeah. So yeah, this is soft, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. No, to- totally. Yeah. You're like, what? Well, it's like the, the, I mean, the myth of those bands definitely looms large. And then, yeah, the moment that you, uh, you know, if you get introduced to that after you've already listened to some stuff, you're kind of like, oh dude, like no use for name is kind of way harder than the clash. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I understand that. Totally. Uh, I mean, I feel like it wasn't even like until kind of we started like culture abuse that I was like actually realized what the Ramones were. Right. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, dude, the Ramones, like no one's going like, you know, like he's not screaming, you know, like he's not like, it's like just they're like Motown songs, just a little bit faster. Yeah, totally. Right. But yeah, d- devoid of context, like that's what it sounds like. But you know, at that time it was like, oh my God. Yeah, be like, so oh, r- this is punk. Like yeah. I gotta be like extreme. But then you listen to like the clash or the, the fucking sex pistols even, you know, and you're like, this is like just rock. Yeah. Like, you know, like this is, this is rock slash pop. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so then as you started to, um, as you started to, you know, experiment with music and get more into, you know, punk and everything like that, did you immediately, I mean, I know that you've mentioned this in other interviews where you talked about, um, you know, you, you started to kind of, you know, figure out how to play guitar on, on your own and write music and stuff, but you were too kind of, you know, embarrassed to, you know, show that out and, um, you know, I'll dig into that later, but did you like kind of like immediately have the idea of like, I would love to play in a band in some capacity, but I know I can't play drums. You know, I, I know I probably can't play guitar. Um, so where did that manifest itself? I mean, that's, that's like, as, as like, since I was a little kid, like I, I always wanted to be in a band, you know, like seeing the Beatles, like it was like, that's, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want to do. And there was never really, I think I had a phase where I wanted to be a basketball player um oh hell yeah that's awesome like a little bit but yeah but uh who was your who was your favorite basketball player like what 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 were you modeling it after i like i like scotty pippen yeah all right you're a role player i thought yeah scotty pippen and and uh dennis rodman were sick (laughs) like i like um but but so yeah i mean it was always it, it was just always music like that's that's what I don't know. That's like what it ought to always be. And at the same time, it's like if my life ends up like living back in Murphy's, like just playing guitar on my front porch, like that's, you know, like that's, that's, what that's you're gonna what's going to, that's what's going to be. But, uh, and I guess like punk just made it more like you can do it now, you know, like you don't have to practice really. Like you could just, you could just do it now. Just try it. Right. So, so that's what, yeah. And it was, um, you know, like as you kind of were, you know, maybe forced to <laughs> think about what your life would look like after high school, like, did you go to college or anything or was that something that was not? Uh, no, I, 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 I try, I want to say I tried, but I didn't try. I like went to the, the community, community college for like, I probably went like, I probably went to actually the campus like five times and probably went to a class like once or twice and <laughs> sure. and like like i don't know yeah just what it was just like yeah it's not for me not for me fucking stupid yeah <laughs> and so well, i guess what were you going to kind of like you know do was what was the expectation of like oh yeah i guess i'll i'll try to figure something out <sighs> that's what's that's what's crazy to reflect on I don't know. I okay. don't fucking know. And I'm still like, I'm still kind of on the mindset like, of like, I really don't give a fuck about anything that I don't give a fuck about. If that makes sense. Like, like, 
I, I don't know. And it was just like, you can't fake. Mu- yeah. You can't like fake music interest. And, music and art is what I like. And I don't, it's not even like that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there are times where I wish that I went to art school or, or tried to like learn a little bit more, especially now when I'm like, you know, we just got like a, our own silkscreen machine and all kinds of shit to where I'm like, Oh fuck. I should have like, I should have. Like you, you realize now ways that like school could have benefited. Right. You know, but, but no, I mean, I, I have no idea. I mean, and even right now, like, I I don't know. I mean, I'd still be doing the same shit that I'm doing right now. If our band was doing good or no one gave a fuck. So yeah, that that's the path. I understand what you're saying. You know, like, I mean, it's just hard. Like there was no real, like, there's no real you're just kind of floating yeah i mean and not and not that i didn't like know you know like not that i was like lost it was just like no i just want to like pursue this uh, you know like i'm just playing guitar and like uh, yeah and and so kind of going back to that um you know the the insecurity of like you know playing your music out and like you know trying to form a band and all that other stuff um i mean was was all teeth essentially like your first band or had you done something prior to that i had i had a band in high school called uh factory seconds and i like that i can almost i could almost guess what you sounded like before you tell me let me see factory seconds um i'm gonna guess that you kind of had um you, you were you were kind of aggressive like i mean i don't want to compare it to like exploited or something like that but you were you were like aggressively punk but definitely not hardcore yeah okay. yeah no and and from like a super small town so no one knew what the fuck like they actually you know like the drummer we had was like the only drummer so it wasn't like because we were into the same shit it was like well you play drums like you play bass like well let's do it so we had like we had so many, I wrote like so many fucking songs for that band. Cause it was just like, I don't know. It was just trying everything. It was just fucking, fucking crazy. Uh, got it. And so you're, but you like, did you play shows in high school and everything like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Played, played all the time. Like played like backyard so parties. many bar and so many bars where like, we'd have to just sit outside all night until it was time to play, (laughs) you know? And like, and like we had like the older kids all kind of like, like fucked with us. So when they'd have a party or do something, it was like, we'd be the band, you know? And like, so. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, And so we're, you know, I guess, were you, uh, you know, insecure, like playing those shows or you, you just didn't even put any thought into that. Cause you're like, yo, this is fun. Yeah, I guess that I definitely realize now that I like went a lot more extreme, like was a lot more, was a lot more like crazy, you know, like to overcompensate the fact of like trying to like stand and be like, you know, and perform. It was more like, well, I'm going to like, everyone's looking at me like I'm a freak. So I'm going to act like a freak. Ah, got it. You know, lean into that. Sure. Uh huh. So, so it was a lot of that. I mean, and and I don't know. Me and my roommate were talking the other day about like, like how weird. I'm getting more into like recording and trying to like record more bands um, myself and record our own band myself. Um, 
so we've been talking about like, you know, my roommate's like, like, I, it's fucking crazy when I hear people say like, I hate recording, you know, like I hate recording. Cause it's like, I love, and we were talking about like why people do bands and it's like a serious question or something that I always wonder about is like, what do you do bands for? And I, I like, you know, is it either cause I love to record or I love to play shows or you want something to talk about on social media, you know? Sure. Um, and I definitely love recording. Like that's what playing shows is fun. It's definitely can be fun. But for the most part, when I play music, it's like, I want to be, I want to get to the point where we're just like in the studio every single day, putting out releases that we actually like can't really play live. So, you know, or like do some, do some Beatles shit to where it's like, finally I get like, I get the point of like touring and going out there and like trying to get as many like fans, I guess you, I still feel weird saying that term, you know? Yeah. Um, but like I get trying to like go out and tour and like spread your, the word of your band around. But, but I mostly just played to like write songs and, and record. So playing shows, it was just kind of like what you have to do, but yeah. I'm not really like, thinking about it you know it, well, it, you i think you hit on a really interesting point because i think like uh, you know the reason that playing in a band is so uh i mean there's a lot of things that make it interesting but people's opinion evolves of what it is that they like to do in the band you know at, at the onset it is that energy of like shows and stage dives and everything else but then you know usually as people get older they start to like the elements of like oh yeah i don't really i mean like that's fine and tour you know it is what it is but like yeah i like to dig into the recording or some people they maybe have the reverse so i i completely see what you're saying yeah, the other day we saw one of those dudes who plays uh, in Retox and that Dead Cross oh, sure. band. And we're like sitting there, it was like me and my girlfriend, and we're like talking, just like being like, yeah, dude, playing shows, man, like playing shows. Like, I wonder why I still do it, you know? But then I realized like he was like, it's like the rush. Like you don't get a rush like that, like a really good show. Like there's no other rush like that. And that's why, that's why bands like, you know, get back together. That's why bands keep doing it for years. You know, and I'm kind of sitting there like, if I never had to play a show again, I would probably be okay. You know, and there's so many times that I just want to be like, uh, you should come see this tour. Cause who knows what, like, who knows how long that this will actually be a thing. Right. You know, and I want to play shows, especially want to play shows like where it's, it's been nice. Like in between these last couple of tours, we've been just doing like one off things where we can actually like curate everything from like the venue to the bands, to the like art on the walls to like free food, free drinks, free, you know, like it's all curated. Like, yeah. And, and, and that, is that's fun to me. And if we could get to the point where we could just have to play a show, like when, whenever we actually want to, rather than like, you gotta be out. Yeah. Hey, I booked, there's a full U S tour, you know? And it's like, uh, I know that halfway through this U S tour, I'm going to like, we literally want to like get out of the van and just cry. And like, yep. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, uh, so. Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you don't, 
when you're just kind of reacting to these things, when you're like 19 or 20 years old, like you don't realize like what it's, I mean, granted, like once you have some monicum of success, you don't have to worry as much about people showing up to the show. But at the same time, you do have to worry where it's like, you know, like you guys are obviously about to, you know, embark on your own headliner. And there's that idea of like, like, yeah, this is cool. I know people are going to be there, but like how many people are going to be there? And there's always, there's always a level of worry. Or now they're like, they're like, okay, well, Ticket sales are like this, like, you know, like this is like so far we've sold this many tickets for this and this many tickets. And now I'm like, whoa, wait, is that good or is that bad? Or like I'm concerned about something that I was never concerned with. (laughs) And then at the same time, I'm like, wait, what? I have never pre-bought a ticket before ever. Like, (laughs) like, you know, like what's the walk up business going to be? Yeah, yeah. I gave my friend 30 bucks to to see echo on the bunny man a while ago ahead of time you know like but that's like otherwise i'm like well i I don't know but then it's so easy to like start to be concerned with shit then you like actually take a second to think about and you're like wait i don't actually care about this like you know what i mean yeah like like and at the same time like no one's talking about the beatles like tour that they did like they're talking about the recordings it doesn't i you know like yeah. And how, how many bands that you look back on that you like love and worship that you like look at their shows and you're like, there's like f- 10 people in the crowd, you know, or like yeah. they're playing someone's living room, you know, but it's like 30 years later and you're still like rocking the record, you know? Yeah. So it's like, right. What's important after it's all said and done. It's like, is the music and the, like the message that you leave behind rather than like, than like, I saw him and it was crazy show. Right. You know, it's like there's there's crazy shows. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi. I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Always, I get to tell you about my favorite sponsor practically ever in the history of this show, and that is Sonos Speakers. If you are not familiar with Sonos, go to Sonos.com right now, get familiar, but let me tell you, it is not only the best sound that I have ever heard out of a speaker, but it, it seamlessly works with your Wi-Fi network. You can hook up speakers, put them all over the place around your house, and you will get flawless sound. Plus, they have this amazing thing called True Play, where you can walk around your room, use your cell phone to calibrate the speaker to that very room that it's located in. I did this in my son's room because 
I got a new Play 5 and he was like, hey, I, I, can I have the old speaker like in my room? And it's I have a previous Sonos from a purchase I made many years ago, but they all work in tandem with one another and I can have music playing in my son's room that's different than the music that is playing downstairs. It is the best and their app is so cool. You can, there's just so much functionality in it, okay? You can do this and introduce this to your life and you will be so much happier because of it, okay? So go to Sonos.com to learn more. I love them. Your life will change, and you will listen to music in so many different ways. So just do that, okay? Sonos.com. Now, here's the rest of the show. That dovetails nicely into the question I was going to ask you. Once, um, you know, because clearly you've played bands for a long time, you know, all, all teeth did tours, and, you know, culture abuse you know, clearly existed on a level where you guys were touring and putting out records and, you know, doing stuff with six on three one and you're building the, you know, the portfolio of the band. But once, um, you know, was it weird for you to start to reckon with the idea that, you know, like money was coming in where it was like, Oh wow. Like we're getting paid a thousand dollars to play this show. And we just made like $1,500 in merch. Like, you know, was that, um, I guess kind of hard for you to, I'm, I'm presume it's hard for you to wrap your head around, but like, how did you react to that stuff as it started to happen? I don't know. Uh, it's a, that's an interesting thing because it's not necessarily like that we had a hard time with it. It's just like when the reality started rolling in about money and what people actually made, it just made me resent other bands so much fucking more that everyone wants to talk about like community and helping other people out and stuff. And it's like, how the fuck are you like, how the fuck, like even with this U S tour that we're doing right now, like we were, we're like set a guarantee. We're headlining. We're set a guarantee. And this is how every fucking band is. And they're all like, it's just crazy how many tours that you go on and they give the opening band 200 bucks or like 250 bucks. And then the other band makes like $4,000 and it's like, you can't even give us $50 more. Like you really can't. And then you'll be like on Twitter, like our brothers or like our family, you know? And it's like, give us $50 more, you motherfuckers, you know? Um, totally. So it's like, with that's that's not going to break you, bro. Yeah, I understand with this U S tour. And so like that, when money actually started happening, it was like actually sickening how many people like no one talks about it, but it's like how many people are actually making good money and still just like playing the game that some fucking booking agent in a fucking like, like, skyscraper somewhere just like tells you that you have to do and everyone just goes along with like what they're saying you know what i mean and it's it's like it's like crazy because even with this u.s tour that we're doing it was like they were like the guarantee is different every single night of course but but they're like okay and then you're allotted 250 dollars for an opening band and it's like Seriously, like, how am I going to get any of our friends to do this tour and literally look them dead in the face and be like every night, hand them 250 bucks <laughs> and pocket 3000 bucks and be like, all right, cool. See ya. You know, like, where are you saying night? Oh, I don't know. You know, like, like, so now that we've been doing headlining tours, it's like, we've been buying the opening band, like hotel rooms or like giving them the extra, like. You know, just be like, here, here's an extra 500 bucks, like here and there, you know, to try to like make it. And so even with this tour, it's like, I asked if everything was okay. And I had the, like, 
our booking agent is actually the fucking sickest, sickest person. And our manager is the sickest person. Cause they're like, they're literally like, got us these sick guarantees. And then I'm giving the money all the way to, or we are not, I am, but you know, like the whole band's like, okay with it. And I was like, okay, well, well, instead of like just taking out one band and giving them 250 bucks and pocketing hell money, it's like, I'd rather have good shows. So it's like, fuck it. Let's take young gov. Let's take dare. Let's take Tony Molina and just give them like our guarantee and just have a fucking good show. So that it's crazy. And it is, and I have to applaud like our, our booking agent Christian and our manager, Sam Veldy, like, because they're like, they're actually losing money because we're giving it all away. You know, like they make a percentage of what we make. So then when we give away all our money, like that, that fucks them too, you know, but, but that, that is the, so I don't know to round it all out. It's like, the fucking shitty part of actually being a real band is realizing how much of like how easily people will just like stand up against something until they are accepted and then just roll with like the way that things are. Yeah, no, I, I really, um, I appreciate you walking me through that illustration because it does, um, you know, there, there is that, that buy-in where it's like, yeah, this is how business has always been done. So like, of course this, this has to, you know, has to continue And there's so many people that like literally like look at you like, well, that's just how it is, you know? And you're just like, what? Like the fuck I'm looking at you. Like we are two humans, like looking at each other right now. And why are you telling me that this is how it has to be? Because some dude that's not fucking here, you know, like said it is. And some dude that's probably like, who, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what I feel like more bands need to like stand up for themselves too. But then at the same time, if you stand up for yourselves too much, no one wants that too. So that just find someone else. Yeah. You right. Know? Well, your, your bands are a renewable resource, you know, like they're totally, if it's not your band, then it's someone else's band. And yeah, until, um, yeah, until, until there is that, um, you know, proverbial, like un. Uh, unfuckwithable band where it's like, oh, here you go. Like, th- th- if this band stands for it, then it has to change across the industry. But it's hard. Right, right, totally. I mean, and it won't. It won't because people actually love money. You know what I mean? And and that's like what I'm trying to think about is like that it's that it's more in the long run. I'm not looking like. Yeah, it might be cool to make some money right now, but I, you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather be that band that's like, that's like a grandkid is like, hey, I actually like this song got picked up for some commercial and I got some money, you know, or like yeah. all the Ramones, you know, like the Ramones, like any of those bands, like kind of just, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about it more for trying to think about it in the long term. Right. Like, like we actually just had this conversation the other day as a band, like or with Junebug, our guitar player that that does like most of the t-shirt designs and all that stuff too, is like is like y- you start to project what people expect on you, you know? And like so like he's making t-shirt designs being like, Well fuck, like I've been doing art like this, you know, and if I change it up, like what if people don't like it? You know, or like and so it's like 
so it's like now we're trying to like actually like approach our band with everything like it's the first thing that we've ever done you know because it's like when we were writing like spray paint the dog or peach and any of that stuff it was like we didn't have any like anyone like looking at us or or expecting anything from us so like everything that we did was just like what we did in a room together you know with like out without any outside influence so then you know then it's hard like sign the epitaph and they tell you that you got to work with this like fucking producer and and you know and like do all this do all that and then you have all this like outside influence and then all of a sudden you're like wait what the fuck are we doing like right. you know why do we like, say yeah i understand so but then also try to approach everything like it's the first thing that we've ever done but then also like imagine that it's gonna last forever you know or like try to try to do something that's actually going to to stand the test of time yeah have a lasting impact yeah i know what you're saying so it's like so it's like instead of just trying to be like cool we could go on this tour right now and make like fucking three four thousand dollars every night and give this band some shit and then they'll probably just be the like you know when like a year ago we were that fucking same band so why the fuck would that's what i don't get is like every a lot of most bands have all paid their dues so it's like why don't you help out someone else a little extra because you've actually been right there totally yeah yeah (laughs) right but so (laughs) yeah no i i I can understand completely what you're saying um and this, uh, I, pro- I promise that the, even though I may be putting on like a dad voice uh, to this, I, I promise this isn't a, a judgment call or anything. But, you know, clearly culture abu- abuse, the vibe is is partying, you know, and good times and, you know, positivity. Um, and a lot of that is obviously is, is great. Um, but, you know, for many people, that good vibe and, you know, can, can mean like, oh, yeah, like, you know, drinking, drug use and leaning into that reputation. Um you know, do you, uh, do you feel like, are, are you ever concerned about that vibe kind of, you know, leaning into the whole, like, oh yeah, man, we're just like complete and absolute degenerates. And like, who gives a fuck about anything? And like, you know, that whole, like yeah. live fast, die young mentality. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like when we first started the band, we were like, we were degenerates, you know, and, and actually like, having a really hard time like getting through life in general. So we were like selling drugs to make money, you know, and like, and like, and doing a lot of those drugs. And then we were like, I feel like surrounded by bands that were more concerned about their aesthetic than being like creating something that was true to themselves. So then when we started the band, we were like, I mean, I had like all teeth, like there were like legit photo shoots where it'd be like, no one smile, you know, like everyone like, and like, I'd feel like, so not myself about anything to where it's like, then when we started culture abuse, it was to be like, let's write songs. They're fucking easy. And if we can't get them at one practice, then they're not meant to be our songs. Let's fucking have fun. Let's encourage everyone to fucking smile. Let's encourage everyone to laugh. Let's like, let's just party. And we just kind of like threw it all out on the table. Like everything, even like sniffing drugs, like doing, you know, like everything. Um, 
kind of like just to be the opposite of like everything that we saw kind of going on to where it's like every band would get on stage and like act like they were like, oh, they wish they were somewhere else and they're playing their songs, you know? And it's like, sure. okay, there's 30 people here. Like you don't have to play, you know? Like, yeah, I this is a glorified practice. Like, I really don't care, you know? Um, but so, yeah. And then, and then, and then as time went on and like had friends pass away from drugs and kind of had to like reassess my life, you know? And then at the same time, timing up with like someone like Brett, uh, Gurowitz from Epitaph, like actually, you know, like being like, people that we like loved and respected actually being like, I like what you're doing. Like, and you have something, you know, and like kind of like we were like, it feels so hard not to like, I mean, I I wonder if everyone kind of feels like this at times, like the fucking underdogs, you know? So then we were just kind of like, kind of the same thing about being like, if I look like a freak, so I'm going to act like a freak. We were like leaning in to just like, you know, like just leaning into it all. And then with all the like positivity coming out of it, it was kind of like, now it is like trying to be like, I, I think about it all the time and want to kind of be like, Hey, like I haven't, I haven't really done drugs in a long time. And the way that it affected my mind, like was crazy. And the fact that I didn't even realize how bad it affected my emotions or my mind till like, a year of not doing it you know like like you know like there's a lot of times where I want to like share that and actually be like it's not that I'm against it because I feel like some people can balance it but it 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 is crazy how much it actually does affect you whether you realize it or not you know sure no I appreciate you sharing that because I I do think that that um like I said I really I'm not coming at it from, I mean, whatever me being a 38 year old straight edge adult, like, you know, it doesn't come at it from a judgmental standpoint, but it it definitely, um, you know, you, uh, there is concern like, you know, when you're putting stuff out there, even, you know, on the, you know, the, whatever, you know, militant vegan straight edge side, it's like, clearly that can go very wrong for people as well. Just in the same way that, you know, extreme drug abuse can go very wrong for people. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's now I think the way that we're like, everyone like party, you have a good time. It's like, it's like, like it's whatever, it's whatever, like you have a good time. And I hope that when someone actually goes to our show, they're not like, I mean, it's crazy how many people actually think that it's like, there are some nights where I have been wasted on stage, but then there's, plenty of nights where I haven't and everyone's like the singer's so fucking wasted he couldn't even stand up straight and you know and like now it's like kids will like tear into them online you know and it's like that's not what I want but also for the most part I feel like if you went to a culture abuse show now and one of these like let's say one of these headline shows or a show that we got to curate I would like to think like if you that you would feel comfortable with being who you are. And it's more about encouraging like a, just a good time in general than like showing up to like, like beat up someone in the pit or, or like showing up to be like dressed 
I don't know, like be concerned about it. Like it's a, a fucking fashion show or a who's who, or it's like, I want people to just show up and be like, hey, yo, if you, if you want to wear a Snuggie and suck on a baby bottle and show up to our show and dance around, like that's what you should do. You know, like that's what I've been trying to be more like open about it on stage and be like, I feel like a fucking freak. So I'm going to like wiggle and dance like all that I want and say whatever the fuck I want and yell and laugh and cry and do whatever the fuck I want. So you should just do whatever the fuck you want because I'm weirder than you and you're weirder than me, you know, like, right. We're all, we're all in this weird room together. Yeah, I understand. So now I hope that it is like, it is like when we're like, yo, we're having a party. Like if we're not like, you know, we're not the fucking blue shirt party crew where you have to have a blue shirt to show up to our party. It's like, no, we're just trying to have fun because these are like, you go on a U.S. tour and you play like every single day in a different city. And those are days of your life that you just spend in a van to drive to play like 45 minutes, you know? So it's like, I want to make the most of it. So I'm not, you know, like I never want to play a show especially one that costs money, you know, because like I've been that broke kid, you know, where, where money has always been an issue to me. So I never want to like make anyone feel like they can't do something because they don't have money, you know? Yeah. So it's like, especially like if we play a show and it's, it's someone paid money to come see it. It's like, I want them to see the best show that they can and have the best night that they can, because we're like, uh, you know, it's like how many days, how many days are we really going to live, you know, and why not try to like, why not try to like have the best fucking time that you can every night, even if it's in like fucking bumfuck nowhere or New York city or whatever. It's like, I want everyone that comes there to be like, I'm coming out a good time. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, the last thing I wanted to hit on was kind of on that same idea where, um, clearly it's a decision to be positive. Um, you know, and anybody that says anything else, uh, you know, just really doesn't have a good sense of who they are as a person and how, how people work in general. Uh, but you know, you yourself, uh, because of, you know, the, the circumstances of your, you know, disease and life that you could have clearly just leaned into being, you know, nihilistic. I don't care about my life. Um, you know, just basically wallow in self pity. Um, I'm still very nihilistic though. And that's the thing. A lot of people think that we're like a positive man, but I I think things are fucked and I think the world's mostly fucked forever. And, and, you know, and like, but I'm also just trying to like, just get through it, you know? Right. However that is. But to to, to that point though, like the the fact that you don't, um, I mean, granted no one just like wallows in that, you know, in perpetuity, like there's always peaks and valleys, like everybody experiences, but like, clearly it's a decision of yours to be able to, um, you know, put on that, that whether it's a face or whether it's how you're really feeling of being able to spread some element of enthusiasm and positivity. Um, you know, and I know, like you said, you're not perfect. You're always grappling with it. And then everybody does to a certain extent. Um, but there, at some point there was probably, you know, a, a decision that you made where it's just like, well, yeah, like I, I want to, you know, be active in my life and I want to be active in the world, whatever that may mean. Um, I presume there's probably no point you can be like, oh yes, when I was 17, I made this decision or whatever. Um, but do, you know, do you feel like you kind of like made that decision and rallied yourself at some point, or is this just kind of, you know, who, who you are? 
<laughs> I know it's a hard question. I apologize, but I just, you know, it, it definitely is a choice that you have made in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy because sometimes doing interviews, you get asked questions that you actually have to like think about, you know, or sure. I'm sure you could be some fucking asshole that's just like, you know, well, I decided this, like, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing, but I know that there is like, there's a lot of times there's shit that I just want to like, that I just like see happening and I feel like I can do it the right way. If that makes sense. Okay. So it's more just like, I don't know. I, cause I, I'm extremely lucky to be, to have the people in my life that I have and, and have the people in my life that I have had, of uh, you know, so I know that there's, that I, I don't know. It's like easy to be like, you know, if you just want it, you just like go for it. Cause it is like the world's fucked. Like the U S is fucked. Like there is privilege, you know, like there is like all this stuff, but so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I hope, I hope that people do see it and be like, fuck, I could do it. Or like, yeah, you actually, you're right. Like music. If you listen to a fucking recording, for the most part, unless someone tells you something about the band and usually it, it like, it makes people like the band more. Like when you're like, dude, I heard the, this band, they're all albino. They have no eyes, you know, and like whatever band you're listening to, you're like, damn, this is crazy. But it really has no face. It has no money, you know, like it has no material possessions. Like it is just, you either like it or you don't. So, so it's like, that with, I don't know. I'm, I'm very lucky to be passionate and be driven towards music and art because like, you know, like if I was like, I want to be a basketball player. It's like, there are definitely things where you could be like, there's probably someone sitting at home that's fucking just devastated on life because they have cerebral palsy and they want nothing more than to be like, a sports athlete, you know, and they just fucking can't like, luckily with me, I can be like, well, I just want to play music. So I, I, I don't know. I'm lucky and I feel guilty about it all. And I feel glad about it all. And I don't know. Well, it's like, well, it's that, that stew of emotions where it's like the, uh, I mean, I was I was just listening to a podcast this morning where a person was talking about, um, you know, how they were sexually abused as a child, and then they confronted um, their assaulter much later on in life, and then uh, this person decided to, you know, record the conversation and then put it out to the world. Anyways, the point being, um, the, uh, the the reason the person put this out into the world, this conversation about the abuse that went on, was the fact that they were they really believed that this happened to more than one person. And so once the story got, you know, put out there, there were more people that, you know, kind of came, came out. And then the juxtaposition of emotions that that person felt of like, Oh, like I'm excited. Other people came out, but I'm also devastated that other people that this happened to, you know? So I understand exactly what you're talking about where it's like this balance of, um, 
oh, I feel really lucky to be doing this. But then I also understand how people can, you know, not feel lucky. And in many respects, I don't feel lucky and all that other stuff. It's yeah, no, I mean, and I feel like I, I don't know if this is like controversial or not, or because I've like kind of thought about this in a way. And it's like a lot of the shit that a lot of the shit, the issues, like the social issues that everyone's dealing with about like race or gender. And it's like, to me, I'm like, if you're, if you're black, there's so much to be proud of, you know, like if you're like man, female, whatever the fuck, there's so much to be proud of and like, look at and be like, this is me. And I'm so proud of it all. And so like a lot of people's stories when they come forward, like talking about like overcoming diversity or hate in any way is like truly inspirational and everyone should be fucking proud as fuck about who they are. But then when it comes to disabilities, it is like, it's hard to be proud. It's not a thing to be proud of, you know, like, like, and as crazy as that is, it's like, I, I'm I'm proud that and it's the same kind of similar what you're saying about the person who was sexually abused. It's like I'm sure they feel like really glad to be like like help people, you know, but then it also is like I'm sorry. Exactly. You know, so like anytime anyone comes to me and it's like I have this too, and it's like there is something inside where I want to be like I fucking understand where no one else understands and I'm sorry, you know, like I'm sorry for the both of us that we have to do this, you know, but, and then, and all you can do with a disability is like actually just try to push forward because you're stuck here. You know, it's like, totally. It's like, there's plenty of shit to like, like be proud of. And you know, it's like that, a lot of like the issues like totally is like is isn't anything that you should be ashamed of and and same with disabilities like no one should be ashamed of it but it's also like no one asked you know what i mean like no one i don't know yeah it, no it's so a, well no it's a weird i completely weird thing yeah no i completely understand where you're coming from because it, it is this 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 notion of um you know celebrating diversity and like you said at through um, you know, different levels of adversity. It's, um, you know, it's celebrated, but yeah, when, when, you know, you're uh, afflicted with a, you know, medical condition, that's not some like, yeah, that's not something that is, um, I mean, in certain respects it is celebrated in regards to like, you know, finding cures and, you know, like wearing a certain color ribbon and like all of those sort of things, but not in the same way that it is discussed, like you said, from a sort of, you know, uh, societal, um, issue of the day sort of scenario. So I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Or like the, the classic, like the classic, like circle, every band that has a female member in this festival, you know? And it's like too. And a lot of times it is like shocking how few, but it's also like, don't fuck with that festival. There are plenty of other fucking bands to be proud of and stand behind that. You don't have to dump your money into some fucking rich fat fuck. You know, like, like you could do something else, but then it is like, or like not enough women won Grammys and not that that's not a thing to deal with, but then there's always going to be someone else like me. That's like, where's one, one fucking person with a disability, like a physical disability, because the world teaches you that you need to be like skinny. You need to be beautiful. You need to be athletic. You need to be tough. You need to be, you know, like all these things. And no one's like, 
Yo, it's si- you walk with a limp. That's so sick. Star in my movie, you know, or like, right. oh, oh shit. Like you're all disabled, like headline this festival, you know, like there is not ever one of that. And it is like, it's not a pretty thing. So it won't ever be fully acknowledged the same way. That's like when it's like not enough, you know, like of like something to be so proud of, you know, like to being a woman, like there are so many amazing artists, so many amazing like bands, so many amazing songwriters, you know, like composers, everything to like look for. But then like growing up and it might be just because I'm from fucking Murphy's, you know, I never saw that shit ever, 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 ever. Yeah. So it's like, no. and then people like literally try to like, I was on Dan Harris's podcast and like said a lot of the same shit and people would like try to start fights with me about shit and be like, what about Stevie wonder? And you're like, oh, okay. cool. Like <laughs> I want, I want to be like proven wrong, you know, or like this one person was like, well, Neil Young's son has cerebral palsy. You know, like, what about him? And it's like, uh, well, that's not Neil Young. Yeah. But also, that's fucking cool. So, Neil Young, like, what's up? Like, let's fucking do something. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, but, yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's weird. Everyone wants to talk about their issues. And then that's a lot of times more where I'd rather just be like, like, I, there are these signs all around LA There's like, that's like billboards, like, suicide prevention billboards that's like i forget what the exact quote is but it's like everyone is going through something you know and that's like more of what i want to like i think would be good as overall to spread to the world you know it's like if everyone just had empathy for everyone yeah and like that i think would get us a lot farther than trying to be like well what about this right what about these rights what about this and it's like totally like what if everyone just had like fucking empathy for everyone and we all just looked out for each other you know what i mean oh absolutely i mean i think that's the 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 perfect button on the conversation it's like you know empathy will get you to so many places that you never thought you would be able to get to and yeah understanding a other person's plight is really the core of um you know what you're trying to say and obviously what the the band is kind of doing in general where it's just like hey man we're all weirdos in this broken world like let's show up to this room and you know for not forget our problems but celebrate all of our weird eccentricities in this room and just have fun right yeah i am gonna be like yo like i know how to wiggle that's like what i know how yeah. to do you know like so that's what i'm gonna do you know and like be in a room where it's like cool to do whatever and like i mean and that's i mean luckily going in growing up in punk rock and like places like gilman and shit like that, where you see like, you know, like there, no homophobia, no transphobia, no, you know, like just no hate in general. And it's like sometimes like, like growing up in punk rock that you forget and growing up in California, you forget how the rest of the world actually is, you know, and you're kind of just like, oh yeah, totally. Like it's, it's over. Like no one hates anyone anymore. And then you like kind of watch the news and you're like, oh the world's still fun. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> well, David, I, uh, I could punish you for another hour, but I'm not going to do that. But, uh, thanks for hanging out, dude. This is super fun. I enjoyed it. 
I'm sitting in the car with all the windows up, just been sweating, sweating your balls so off. Yeah, fucking <laughs> I know. And I appreciate I appreciate you doing that. Thank so you so much. That's why it just starts to get more like aggravated and more aggravated. <laughs> that As it goes on. Now you want to keep I, sweating. Actually, that's true. That, that maybe that's a tactic that I deploy in the future where people are like, yeah, uh, yeah. Dude, just lock yourself in a hot room and just get pissed off towards the end. It's perfect. Uh-huh. So then by the end, they're just like, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Yes, David, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for sweating in a car talking to me. I really appreciated that. Um, because I know it's, it's, you just get like so hyped on a conversation and you know, pretty soon like the sun's beating down on you and you're locked in a car and yeah, it's just, I don't know, but I appreciate it. And thank you very much to Stephanie Marlowe, publicist extraordinaire. She is a great friend and I always like it when she brings ideas to me because 97% of the time I like them and we make it happen. So that's exactly what happened here. What do I have next week on the show? Let me make sure that I have the information correct. And oh, I do. Drew DiGiorgio, DiGiorgio, I never said his last name out loud, which happens many times as I'm doing this outro, but Drew DiGiorgio, he is the vocalist for Straight From The Path, who is a great metallic hardcore-ish thing, you know, they got they got their own lane going on, and I love the band, been friends, I've known Drew for a while, and we kind of, we, we, we talk about our relationship at the very beginning of the show, and uh, it was just a, a great chat, so that's what we got next week. And uh, thank you for listening to this outro, because sometimes I know people already tune out. So if you are one of those people that listens to the very end, thank you. You know, I wish I could give you like a dollar to prove your worth and be like, oh, yeah, you you know what's up. Like if you listen to the end of the episode, you get this like really cool bonus thing. But, you know, I, I can't just send random people dollars. That's that, you know, I'd be probably bankrupt after a while. So <laughs> anyways, big shout out to Sirius XM. They have amazing commercial-free music, plus sports, talk, comedy, and news. They have it all. And right now, you get those three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just a dollar. So go to SiriusXM.com slash words to see the offer details and to subscribe. That's Sirius, S-I-R-I-U-S-X-M.com slash words. The offer is only available to new subscribers that are streaming. SiriusXM, no car required. And thank you very much to Sonos, who, like I've told you, make the best speakers in the game. They can plug in all over your house, connect to your Wi-Fi, and make your life that much better, okay? Go to Sonos.com, learn more, dive in, and your, your, your listening habits will change. I've listened to so much more music because of this. You can hook it up to your turntables, your computer. It's so rad. So thank you, Sonos, and visit Sonos.com to learn more. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com. Shh. Hey, Miles. Yes. It's Jack from work. Yes. Hi. Did you know that we host a daily news and culture podcast where people can I go to get caught up on know. what is yes. happening? Are you? Yes. Are you confused about that? You're talking about the Daily Zeitgeist. I just to show to that make we do sure you knew and that everybody knew that you could listen to us every day, twice a day, talk about what is happening and they could learn everything without feeling the life drain from their soul yeah i think at the daily zeitgeist we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed they can have a decent day after listening so guys listen to the daily zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free